0: Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain, aka Eliezer Yudkowski, and Lintamande. Thread 4, Project Lawful and Their Oblivious Boyfriend. Episode 70
1: Hell is Truth. Seen too late. Thomas Hobbs.
2: Character name. Carissa Savar, Alignment, Lawful Evil. Character level, 7 asterisk. Deity Asmodeus. Homeland, Cheliax Class, Wizard Asterisk, School, Universalist, Subschool: Arcane Crafter, Languages, Chelish, Taldane, Native, Infernal, Not Fluent, STR, 8con 10, Dex 10, Int 22, 18, WIS 14, CHA 15. Magic items are Millery Amulet, Headband of Vast Intelligence plus 4 Skills, Spellcraft plus twenty three plus twenty seven when producing magic arms and armor. Further plus five from armillary amulet. Bluff plus sixteen. Knowledge Arcana plus sixteen. Appraise plus thirteen. Sense motive plus twelve. Knowledge religion plus twelve. Knowledge to say nobility plus eleven. Knowledge local plus eleven. Knowledge planes plus eleven. Knowledge geography plus ten. Diplomacy plus nine. Knowledge, history, lull. Feats, magical aptitude, eschew materials, craft wondrous items, craft magic arms and armor. Skill focus, spellcraft skill focus, bluff. Arcane, discovery, arcane, builder. Traits, theoretical magician, convincing liar, suspicious, empty mask.
1: Asterisk. Stealth Cleric. Your character has somehow ended up the cleric of some god, without knowing this about their self, and their god is laying low. They do not receive cleric spells or orisons or domains and cannot channel, until either their god wills it so, or your character discovers their nature and succeeds in using it. Effects on Alignment Auras are halved. Project Lawful Seduce Conceal Profit yarwain pl log sub event one of pl incident even she doesn't know it time day four midday see also sub event 12 of pl incident wrong genre savvy is contagious via mind reading notes pl subject hash one is outside otolman's containment zone while event occurs epistemic status reconstructed by back inference from cumulative later observation Nethus is still here Nethus is still everywhere Nethys is just not together enough to socialize
3: with other gods. Irori, in his godhood as in his mortality, is not the kind of martial artist who goes around cleaning up others' messes. He is the kind who cleans up his own. He is lawful neutral, not lawful good. This is how Irori was in life. A starving beggar girl is not his own doing, and he may walk on past her without qualm. If the starving girl begs a gold coin from him, and perchance he gives it to her, and later she is beaten and killed for it, that is also not his concern. She made her own choice to ask. She was too young to know what she did, what of it? All mortals are too young in the end. If the starving girl begs a copper from him, and instead he foolishly gives her a ruby he feels he has not himself properly earned, thinking mainly of the consequences to himself but not to her and this starts a chain of events in which the girl is kidnapped by a criminal king and interrogated to find where the ruby came from. Then there will be one less criminal king in that city before the next day's dawn. Even if he is young enough, back then, for that to be a dangerous fight, he goes to it without hesitation. It is not that he is protective, it is that he is responsible. In godhood, Irori cannot afford to be so strict with himself. His actions affect too much for too many. But Irori is still the god who grew out of that mortal, not by being ascended, but by doing it all the hard way. A soul that Irori marked for his attention is now calling out to him in her hour of trouble and despair. It is very rare for Irori to intervene in a case like that. He would not often do so even if he could do it costlessly. To protect mortals from trials is not Irori's way. And yet Irori does notice and investigates, and not only because of the Atollman's connection. For any mortal otherwise strong enough to interest him, it ought to take extreme conditions to drive her into a state of such utter frantic determination. This mortal did not ask for him to meddle in her life, whether by bargaining with Asmodeus or otherwise. Has she come to some greatly ill fate that is his own doing? Even if so, as a god facing a god's choices, Irori probably cannot afford to do anything about it. Probably all he can do is contemplate his own failure and consider how to do better next time. But it is impossible that he would not want to know. Irori cannot easily see much of the mortal realm, aside from the contents of certain determinations and aspirations among those sufficiently already aligned to his ways. He is looking at minds facing in his own direction. Flesh and stone are shadows, blurry shadows, not legible ones. He can tell the mortal is in the Imperial Palace, in Igorian, in Cheliax, little more. The mortal in whose life he meddled thinks that she is facing total extinction. It is the one thing she fears above everything else, and to think one more thought is all of her desire. She is striving with all, all, all that is inside her to avoid that one fate, to continue. She is in pain. Another is about her, though Irori cannot well see that one, a being of powerful magic. That's statistically improbable to be something that would have happened to the mortal regardless if Irori's meddling had any effect on her life at all. And it is a little extreme as an ill fate of his own doing, to make no effort at all to clean up. Of what is she afraid more specifically? Most mortal fears are hard for Irori to see, but this fear drives her so, drives her even to try to change herself and her way of thinking.
2: The mortal is afraid of being a statue with runes carved on her, buried where no one will ever find her, trapped until the ultimate destruction of the
3: world. All right then, he can take responsibility for this mess of his making without too much cost. If this mortal becomes his cleric, Irori will be able to find her again in time. Eventually he will get around to questing some powerful caster pledged to him, to bring her forth. When? Whenever that becomes convenient to him. It may be a hundred years, five hundred, it matters not to a statue. If the mortal then must leave all she knew behind her and begin again, well, one must overcome such challenges along the way. But Iruri should not make her his knowing cleric. She is near something more than powerful enough to read her mind and see the knowledge in her if she knows. Or maybe just notice by normal means if she stops being so afraid. And then this other being will, say, planeshift the mortal into Abaddon instead or attempt to torment her into giving up Irori. He does not wish to make the mortal's situation worse again. This would indicate his failure to learn from experience. The conditions for forming a stealth cleric are rare, Both intrinsically and by compact. Gods cannot go about stealth clericking whomsoever they please. By compact, to make any cleric, they must have called out to you or to a predicate that includes you not too broadly. The natures of God and mortal must be sufficiently aligned as always for clerics, the only possible exception is your oracle, if you are foolish enough to have one of those, rather than zero. And improbably. The pressure of a god upon a mortal's soul, impressing clerichood into it, is usually very detectable to mortals, even if you try to be slow and gentle about it. Even if it is not a revelation in glory, it's there, and the mortal might be suspicious of what had just occurred. Especially if they'd just prayed for aid. To create a stealth cleric, she must be extremely distracted while that is happening. But these strange conditions are met. And so, like trying to kiss a kitten's forehead softly enough not to wake it, Irori presses himself into Carissa Seva but gently, not opening yet the new channels whose outlines are traced into her, only forging the connection leading back to him. So now Carissa Seva is, as most other gods would see it, something of Irori's, though she knows it not. The thought does not occur to Irori at all to message Asmodeus claiming victory in a contest that Asmodeus might conceive to himself to have begun. The way is to succeed at what you set your hand to, to win, not to have others acknowledge that you have won. Carissa Sevar's progress along her way is all that is meaningful. Whether she calls Asmodeus lord for a time is not relevant, except insofar as how that changes her way or speeds her progress on it. If there were any victory to be won here, it would belong to the mortal and not to Irori, for her way is not the way of Irori, but the way of Carissa Seva. And also, if there were any such contest, it would not yet be over, for Carissa Saver's existence will not end this day. Then Irori goes upon his way, for many other matters call him, and he does not have time to wait around watching a statue be levitated and floated away to, as it turns out, an aftercare chamber. One really can't blame Irori for not especially guessing that this would be the case. He was not in Mortal Life the kind of martial artist who gets way into that sort of thing. Irori definitely isn't expecting the incredibly annoyed call that he gets from Otolmans a few hours later.
4: Osirian's highest-ranking spy in Chelyaks is not a very flappable person, as one might imagine from the job description, but he looks nervous at present.
5: Do you think the world is going to end? Prince Merenre, sixth-circle cleric of Abadar and heir presumptive to the pharaoh, asks him tiredly, looking up from the report.
4: In truth, Your Highness, in cases like this, I don't deal in what's actually going to happen, just what people are saying.
5: Uh Aha. Do you have plans to spend the next couple of months in Aktun?
4: Yes, I do, Your Highness, though that's partially because of possibilities less serious than the destruction of the world, and, obviously, if my duties require me,
5: I'm not sure I can afford to pay you enough to stay, Merenry says. Though do give me time to put an offer together. Before you abscond, it will be generous.
4: You're not upset about the report, Your
5: Highness? I'm incredibly upset about the report. Almost nothing in it can possibly be true. Half of it contradicts itself. And I will pay you something like half the gems in Osirion for another report of similar quality.
4: The spy considers it for a moment. I'm honoured, Your Highness, by the offer, but, well, would you take it?
5: I mean, I'm well past the point where there's vanishing marginal personal utility to money. I'd probably just be weighing how much I want to prevent the destruction of the world.
4: Do you ever think, Your Highness, that maybe the world has it coming? No,
5: says Mirenre, completely truthfully and a little coldly. Okay, do you ever think that maybe Chelyax has it coming? Chelyax has something coming. I really just wish I knew what it is. Project Lawful was started because of a direct divine vision from Asmodeus himself.
6: It sounds right. If Project Lawful is the study of our captive cleric, we bargained with Asmodeus for a divine revelation. Do
5: you know the wording?
6: No, except that it apparently was not adequate to get him safely out of Chelyax and to hear. We can't put what we bargained for into words well anyway and don't know how Asmodeus would have tried to.
5: Merenre shifts a bunch of tokens around on the desk in front of him. Okay. I'm saying probably Project Lawful is the study of our captive outsider. That one is probably true. Asmodeus and Erechora are collaborating on Project Lawful.
6: We don't know anything about that.
5: I assume same for Asmodius and Nethys. Asmodeus and Caden Kalian. I'm going to say maybe 50% for Asmodius and Nethys because it'd explain how upset Ottolmens is. And, um... 1% for Caden Kalian. The report author apologised for including it. The library of Project Lawful looks tiny, but apparently has as many books available as a major academy library. If someone asks the Project Lawful girl serving as a librarian to go look for them in another room, not that there's a forbiddance in place or anything.
6: If our captured cleric is someone who figured out somehow how to borrow books from the first vault,
5: Wouldn't you have noticed?
6: We might not be allowed to say if we had noticed, because if there's a way to do, that disseminating it is definitely prohibited by God agreements.
5: Right. Well, it's possible, but also mind the possibility that this is abject nonsense, which I think will become more obvious as I read through more of these. Every devil in hell has heard of Carissa Sever by name, I will give you whatever fucking odds you want against that. Project Lawful has been instrumental in all of Cheliax's military victories over Nidal. We did check if they were using any new tactics and they're not. Less than 5% on that. Project Lawful is intensively studying the history of Taldor in order to launch a team of operatives into Taldor's past, which will convert Taldor to worship of Asmodeus in the present. Less than 1% on that.
6: Are they intensively studying the history of Taldor, though? If you have access to the first vault, is Taldor a place whose history you'd want to study intensively?
5: I mean, I'm sure they've got ancient magical secrets, but not a particular concentration thereof. I'd go for Aslant. Anyone would. And if you're constraining the places you'd go for to ones where learning you're studying it doesn't suggest any supernatural abilities, I'd study ancient Osirian. And then there's... Even barons of hell can't afford to buy the souls of Project Lawful Girls in Dis's markets. Very funny. No, that's uh, just true.
6: Right. Okay, so I take it we have a full list of all the Project Lawful Girls based on price spikes in hell then? Is there some kind of unifying feature?
5: We have a list. I don't know if it's a full list. It doesn't have Carissa Sivar on it. And it seems pretty well attested that she's an involved party. And maybe there are some more who didn't sell their souls, or whose having sold their souls isn't widely known in hell. The names are all girl wizard students of the most recent graduating class in Ostenso.
6: That raises several questions. One, can we help any of their families defect or something? Two, what share of girl wizard students in the graduating class does that represent? Do we know any wizarding students in that class not to be on the project? Distinguishing features three, or where the interdiction is, so I guess that confirms what's up with that. Four, why girls?
5: One obvious hypothesis is that our stolen cleric is able to get books from the first vault, or whatever he does, through a sorcerer's bloodline and they're trying to breed it. That's the first thing everyone comes up with, because otherwise why girls? But, I don't know. It's still sort of unsatisfying. It wouldn't make their souls all that valuable. That'd have to be something transferable to them directly. Owning a soul doesn't give you a claim on its offspring. Also, I flatter you that any cleric of yours would think to demand to be permitted ascending to the head of your church before having a bunch of children in Chelyaks.
6: They might have lied about who that There, you know, Chelyaks. I'm not actually sure that not lying is something they know how to do. What other theories have you got, though?
5: Merenre looks back down at the paper. If an event worth celebrating happens to you, one of the girls on Project Lawful will already be standing behind you and will offer you cake. It's good cake, and eating it seems to be completely safe as far as anyone can tell. Nobody knows what happens if you refuse to eat it.
6: Okay, that has got to be false. They've been inside a forbidden for the last four days.
5: Almost certainly. But if it's not false... Uh, I do wonder what the range
6: is. You know what? Sure. Uh, Find someone whose wife is very close to giving birth. Send them out with high-level escorts to an inn a couple of blocks from the capital in Igorion. Completely licit travelling-adventuring party. Sending them when the baby is born. And if we get a cake girl, remand her to Osirion in order to investigate her role in the imprisonment in Cheliax of our cleric.
5: If she can teleport like that...
6: Fair enough. Remand her to a demiplane.
5: Not to Actun?
6: We've had enough gold bars to last a century, all told, and that seems likelier to spark one. We can move her there later, if it seems like a good idea. This is almost definitely not going to work.
5: Yes, I put it in the less than 5% category, which is to say if it does work... Despairing gesture at the beads on his desk.
6: What else is at more than 5%?
5: One of the girls on Project Lawful who died during the Nidal attack got sorted to Elysium. Seems pretty likely. And then came back. Almost certainly not. But maybe they substituted a replacement in order to not have an embarrassing incident. Or maybe they were holding her family hostage. Or capable of threatening her even in Elysium. One of the project lawful girls used five different cantrips in a day. Fits with my going theory, but I want to hear yours first.
6: My theory is that our priest figured out something really important and Chelyax is throwing an absurd number of distractions at him to prevent him from realizing how important it is or telling anyone else about it. And the distractions are causing all these absurd rumors.
5: Possible. Mine is that the thing our priest figured out is something like a way to give sorcery to people who aren't born with it. INT based sorcery, presumably. Or why have a bunch of wizard students as test subjects? With some special abilities that are really stunningly valuable and expected to carry over on death, thus, the rise in prices in hell. And something that produces the reports of the girls also being clerics, the girls having too many cantrips. The girls doing things that shouldn't be possible.
6: If you can do that at all, maybe you test it first on wizard students from Ostenzo, but then you start empowering everyone.
5: Well, maybe they plan to. And Otelmen's put her foot down. Or maybe they want to wait more than five days to see if it has side effects. It's not totally satisfactory, though. It gives no explanation at all for the question of why girls.
6: Some bloodlines are only expressed in girls.
5: How sure are we that our priest is a he? Did you directly observe that?
6: We can't see that kind of thing.
5: New theory, says Miren, removing beads. Our priest is a woman. Whatever her powers, only women can have them.
6: Well, that's not my favorite theory ever. God damn it, if that's true, Cheliaks actually is a better place for her to start than here.
5: I mean, they do still have all the lying and the torture. And only the stupid soul based prediction market. But yes, we'll need to rethink things, if that's true, and need to rethink different things, if the class of theories where the priest is borrowing books from the first vault are true, and rethink yet more things, if the public project lawful is a distraction to cover for something much more effectively kept secret.
6: Such as the possible diamond stealing thing.
5: It's the obvious candidate. We have confirmation that Nidal's not raising their dead. Or, I mean, they're raising them as undead, but...
6: You took your meaning. If Chelyaks can do that whenever they want, where are our diamonds presently?
5: Tried a lot of different stuff since we don't know how they did it. Some of them are permanently but dismissively transformed into chunks of granite. Some are permanently but dismissively transformed into rags that were dipped in a highly reactive alchemical reagent which will cause a massive explosion if exposed to oxygen, and are now in glass jars in a room without any. Some are in a demiplane, some are in a bank in Akhtun, some are in Ismat's workshop, so we'll know if ones in a very standard and knowable location got taken. I don't think they have the ability to do that at will. You'd expect to see a fall in the value of Chelish souls with decades more expected lifespan.
6: We hope you're right.
5: It might be useful for more of you to think about this.
6: We're trying. We're trying really hard. Do you know what uh, we've got with any reasonable confidence? Do tell. This morning, someone gave our uh, priestess 600 jeep for a service worth far more than that to them. Though they did not achieve that by lying. That's the kind of thing we get when we look really hard.
5: Have you ever considered just waltzing over to Absalom and checking if this would be any easier if you were two gods?
6: It is Miss Go update those prediction markets, and uh, send your wife our highest regards.
5: Because we're going to need her if the most powerful magic in the world turns out to be woman only?
6: Also because we hold her in high regard. At least 5% because we hold her in high regard.
1: Pill Log Timestamp. Day 4. Morning.
7: Aspexia Rugaton makes her greetings to Keltham. She wishes she could check this with Sivar but thought of it too late. This, too, is an interaction that should occur in the altar Cheliacs. She will try to keep it brief. If Keltham learns or deduces anything about how forbiddances might work, including by reference to other protective spells that depend on caster circle, Keltham might deduce that perhaps forbiddances also ought to be cast by the most powerful cleric available, and that Aspexia Rugaton should therefore have been on site right after the Forbiddance went up. And then wouldn't it be strange if she didn't hang around while Keltham was teleported in, just in case Nadal attacked, and then wouldn't it be strange if she didn't greet Keltham at all? She didn't, for the last Forbiddance. But Keltham now believes correctly that Cheliax considers him more of an important person after the Nadal attack on him and resulting Godwar. Greetings again, Keltham, says Aspexia, looking as warm and grandmotherly as before. She is not, on reflection, Aspie. She has, on reflection, started to side with Savar about the importance of the Grand High Priestess of Asmodeus, seeming relatively more lawful. Isidre can take credit for Aspexia's little prank, if it requires crediting at all. I'm afraid I have a great deal of work to do today, and this is not a good time for us to talk, with Sevar out of the loop. But be advised, I will be doing that work on site, so don't be too surprised if you see me eating lunch by myself later in the day, or some such.
0: Staying on site because... Keltham's thoughts are mostly on what he can do today that will be productive while he's missing Carissa, Ione, Pilar, and Asmodia. The remainder, mostly on constantly telling part of himself to shut up Carissa, will be fine.
7: We were instructed to rush you here as soon as the most basic defenses were in place for you. It is apparently significantly safer for you here than in the Imperial Palace in Igorion. Other defenses are still being emplaced, and while they are, the Grand High Priestess of Asmodeus may as well happen to do her day's paperwork from here.
0: I would not have expected the leadership position for Asmodeus' church to be determined by who has the greatest military power.
7: In this case, it occurs the other way around. Asmodeus empowers more those who attain a deeper understanding of him.
0: All right, then. Good to hear.
7: We have, for what it's worth, now screened everyone previously in the villa for being secretly a cleric, though we had to consult with Hell to determine that was even possible and how it could be tested. And it is all negative
0: also good to hear, but do keep in mind that if that trope governs at all, you have somehow missed her anyways. I agree that it probably doesn't govern, and I hope that nobody was too much inconvenienced by the screening.
7: Perhaps I should not ask, but if you'd pardon me one question. Aspexia waits for the nod. And also, if you can, please answer this quickly rather than thinking about it for long. If tropes govern, who is the ultimate antagonist, and what is their plan?
0: I'm sorry, but I'm really not comfortable answering that, under these circumstances. I cannot just point an accusing finger at somebody, especially if the cleric thing turned out to be wrong. Asmodia has no superpowers, and there was no significant conflict with the queen. Keltham immediately thought, Isidra. Isidra plans to convert the world to lawful goodness. She is carrying out this plan via a program of illegal emotion reading and mind control which has penetrated Chellish governance to a far greater degree than the Grand High Priestess or the Queen would think even possible.
7: I am sorry for having asked, then, and see your point. Should you change your mind regarding the wisdom of answering, keep in mind that I am, in principle, the member of government who would be most responsible for dealing with tropes if they existed. Aspexia gives him a polite nod and departs.
1: Ioni, Pilar, and Asmodia are also away from the site, in queue for additional security screening supposedly. Kelton might want to make inquiries upon seeing them again regarding prophecies, or excursions outside the old forbiddens or trips to Hell. So, somehow those three will only manage to get to the new site after Sevar is back and functioning sufficiently to authorize any necessary
7: lies. And as for why all this visit is happening, really? When Aspexia read Abigail's proposed outline of what she intended to do to Sivar, it occurred to Aspexia that, perhaps, if Sivar is out of communication with the Project Lawful site for an extended period, maybe somebody who can read Keltham's mind should be on the Project Lawful site as a substitute for Sivar, just in case Keltham picks this particular morning to suddenly go closet himself and think for three hours. It seems like prudent policy, even before considering how much that could plausibly be a trope. So,
0: study magic. Learn more about Cheliax and Galarian, See if they can teleport in a metallurgy expert so Keltham can hear about the current state of art in mining and refinement of metals. Maybe ask governance to send him the politically convenient version of the gain-splitting bargain to see how loudly Keltham screams about it. Keltham isn't currently thinking of anything else he can do with everyone missing. Carissa is going to be okay, though. right Oh my ass brain. Would you stop that? I decided this was a good idea. It has all kinds of safeguards, and you won't find out what the results were until Carissa gets back. So right now, these are not productive thoughts to be having at me.
1: PL Log Timestamp. Day 4, Late Afternoon. PL Log Playstamp, Igorian.
8: And now once again, Pilar has found herself somewhere holding a cake. And this place doesn't even seem to be inside the palace.
1: Instead, it's a private room in a classy inn. From the window, the palace grounds are visible across the street. The room is presently empty except for an unaccompanied unseen servant, which is sweeping.
8: Pilar has a sense of what her curse wants to do—see. And she's not going to fight it without a reason. So she lets herself leave the room, go down a hall, go down a set of stairs, still holding the cake. It's one of the nicer and larger ones she's delivered— now that she looks at it very formal.
1: The first floor of the inn is a busy restaurant, presently in the middle of serving lunch. It's clearly an upscale adventurer's inn, not one for nobles or rich merchants. You can tell by the decor, which is awfully cosmopolitan for Cheliacs, and by the security, who looked like they mean business potentially against very dangerous adversaries, And by how quickly the waitress takes it in stride to have a very conspicuous girl come downstairs, she definitely at no point went up. Can I help you?
8: Pilar hands her the cake and lowers her voice about as far as it can go. This cake is for the party of Osirian adventurers who will be arriving shortly. Please wait until two minutes and forty-five seconds past the early hour bell, then give this cake to them with compliments of the cake girl. Wait, what? What the actual
7: fuck? The woman blinks at her. That'll be five silver for a special timed delivery on short notice, she says, and no guarantees about what happens to the cake if they fail to show and you don't return to claim it in the next hour.
8: Pilar seems to be holding five silver. Somehow this surprises her, even though if her curse can do all these cakes, there's no reason it couldn't do small amounts of money. Pilar hands the money over more or less on Automatic, thinking furiously. Pilar has by now worked out that, whenever she appears for somebody without her having chosen that, they have at least heard of her. Maybe they know her as Pilar, and not the cake girl back in the villa when this first happened. Or they've heard a rumor about the cake girl, in the Imperial Palace, but not the name Pilar. But she has never suddenly found herself with a cake for somebody, who has no idea of who she is or why she'd be there, and that goes by the final recipient, not by anybody who hands the cake over on instructions. Pilar does not, in fact, know any Osirian adventuring parties, or anybody who'd plausibly be on one, which leaves the question of how an Osirian adventuring party knows either Pilar Pineda or the cake girl.
7: The waitress pockets the money, takes the cake, and walks it over to a heavily built man by the door, who squints at it and then shrugs. She takes it off to the kitchen.
8: Pilar starts to turn back to the main room, with the intent to talk to that impressive-looking insecurity about where Pilar can find the highest possible level of church or crown security, on very short notice and very nearby.
9: Her curse really, really doesn't want her to do that, because the Osirians will be captured and probably tortured, and that's not nice not at all.
8: Pilar directs a furious thought at her curse about how these people are not street orphans. They are here to kidnap and torture her and would eventually figure out a way to do that in a way she finds genuinely unpleasant. Furthermore, in case it has escaped her curse's notice, she is lawful evil, operative word evil, and an extremely loyal servant of Lord Asmodeus and his interests. She doesn't think her curse can actually stop her if she tries. Or at least Pilar is very willing to fight and find out.
9: Pilar is lawful evil. Operative word, lawful. Her curse trusted her with this. She can well serve Lord Asmodeus's interests here, but she has to not do horrible things from the perspective of chaotic good, using her curse's power and knowledge in the course of that. Her curse wouldn't have steered her into the trap, obviously. That wouldn't have been nice either. But her curse could have just let the whole thing fly by without Pilar noticing.
8: It's really fucking creepy how Pilar's brain just thinks this crap, like it's her own fucking thoughts.
9: Her curse probably feels sorry about that, too, because it is very stupid good, but this is important.
8: What the fuck is up with this whole, you're lawful and therefore you have to keep to this agreement you didn't actually make at any point, huh?
9: It's how God agreements can work sometimes.
8: Pilar is not a God.
9: Hasn't she learned anything from Keltham? Dathilani aren't gods, but they can sometimes decide to behave like them. And if Pilar doesn't choose to act like a god, well, her curse probably won't be trying to do things like this again in the future.
8: Pilar doesn't scream, but it takes an effort. She is, no doubt, nowhere near the level of sheer seething hatred that the Grand High Priestess must have accumulated for chaotic good at this point, but Pilar sure isn't dawdling along that road. She thinks. She decides. Pilar walks over to the most impressive looking in security and uses message this time. I have a crown security issue that needs to be escalated as quickly as possible. Point me or escort me to the nearest state security who can escalate me further immediately. Do not talk about this afterwards.
10: The man raises his eyes, then grabs her arm and dimension doors. They're at a palace security checkpoint now. Just outside the forbiddance, freeze! Don't resist! Someone instructs them instantly and casts Hold Person. The man makes a face as though it's taking him a lot of effort to let the spell touch him, but he does permit it.
8: The Hold Person is powerful enough; Pilar couldn't really throw it off if she wanted to. Well, Pilar won't say anything then, but she will think very loudly that first of all, most people are not authorized to read her mind, and second that she has an issue for immediate escalation to the Grand High Priestess. Also, somebody needs to note down which inn they just came from because Pilar doesn't know that. Message repeats.
10: Palace security dismisses the spell after a couple very fast exchanges. Kid says she urgently needs to be escalated higher, the retired adventurer said. You want me to keep escorting her, or do you have it from here? We have it from here. This is classified. Don't speak of it to anyone. Yeah, yeah.
8: What was the name of that inn?
10: Sky Metal Sword. Am I allowed to head back? I'm on duty. No, security says flatly.
8: Message. Need to escalate to Grand High Priestess. Time sensitive.
10: Right. Come with me. And they can hurry to the Grand High Priestess's office where the Grand High Priestess is not because she's in Ostenso.
8: Do you recognize me as a person of interest? Pilar says to the Grand High Priestess's emotionless secretary, who is widely believed to be actually a devil.
1: Yes, the Grand High Priestess is not here.
8: I either need personal control of a crown intelligence issue, including the ability to consult crown intelligence about actions that best serve Lord Asmodeus's interests and the ability to direct security accordingly, or I need somebody to assume command of this issue whom the Grand High Priestess trusts to deal with deranged fucking
7: God agreements.
1: The secretary at this pulls out a mirror and contacts the Grand High Priestess.
7: Talk, Aspexia Rugaton says, on recognizing Pilar. Nothing need be said about, I assume this is urgent. It obviously is.
8: A surrounding silence has obviously already been cast at this point. Curse directed me to where I now expect an incoming Osirian adventuring party who's heard of the cake girl to try to kidnap me. Curse doesn't want them hurt— Curse said it trusted me, and appealed to my lawfulness, and told me to act like a god, and said it won't do this again if I don't. I can serve Lord Asmodeus's interests as much as I want so long as I don't do anything my curse hates, like getting the Osirians caught and tortured, which, to be clear, I would be incredibly comfortable with.
7: What do you request? Aspexa Rugaton interrupts. She doesn't need to be told that Pilar is loyal. Rugaton can see what she'd do, but if Pilar hasn't also seen it independently, she cannot entrust Pilar with doing it independently.
8: I need direction on whether to obey this bargain that I never actually made. If no, I'll give the data to security. If yes, I either need somebody else who understands deranged chaotic good curses to assume command over me in this issue, or I need authorization to control it myself. I prefer the former
7: and the scope of that
8: authorization? Oh no. Authority over local security, and ability to consult with Crown Intelligence over which fun, non-hurtful prank on the Osirians will most serve our Lord's interests. Pilar isn't doing anything as unprofessional as making a face on purpose, but hopefully her control isn't perfect, and therefore the Grand High Priestess can hear her face trying to shout, No!
7: through the mirror. That was the correct answer. Well, a correct answer, including that suppressed horrified expression, if Pineda looked happy, this wouldn't be a good idea at all. Try keeping the bargain this time so we can observe what happens. Everyone I trust to correctly handle God agreements with chaotic forces is outside the palace, mostly at the front of the war. If you listen humbly to your elders and ignore anything they suggest about violating implied God agreements. I believe you can handle this yourself. If at some point it looks like I'm wrong, and you start expecting it to not go well, I trust you to walk away from it without aggrieving your curse. My secretary will supply you with that authorization. Do not explain why you have it or where the real constraints are coming from. Any else top urgent? No, out.
8: I hate my life.
10: Pilar gets handed her authorization and shown a meeting room to brief security on whatever she wants them to do.
8: Actually, the first thing Pilar needs to do, after saying that the waiting Sky Metal Sword Guard can go back, since they want the place to look normal, also her curse doesn't want to inconvenience the guy too much, is to talk to Crown Intelligence about what the Crown wants Osirian to end up believing. Security isn't going to be preventing these people from returning home. Chelyaks can't hold them to trade for something else. Lord Asmodeus's interests can only be served here by giving them some form of false impression or false information, so far as Pilar can tell. Her curse seems to believe that giving another country wildly misleading military intelligence is a happy fun prank. Pilar is not actually preventing herself from thinking repeatedly about how incredibly stupid that is. She has much less practice at controlling her own thoughts than most Chellish people of her status. Her curse, thankfully, does not seem to care.
10: If they've already heard enough rumors to test whether there's a cake girl with a reasonably well-designed test, then A, what a fucking disaster. It's presently unclear who's going down for it, but someone's going to have to and B. They're not going to be able to convince them that Project Lawful is nothing big.
11: This top Chellish expert on Osirian affairs just got emergency teleported back from the front lines to the palace for this, just ran into the room, and has not actually heard about any of these rumors. Can somebody very quickly brief me on who the cake girl is, what Project Lawful is, and why it's a disaster that Osirian has already heard of her, he says.
8: Everybody is now looking at Pilar because, obviously, who else in this room would A. be in charge, and B. know what people here are allowed to know about what Project Lawful is and why it matters. Somebody else say which rumors about the cake girl Osirion is likely to have heard, Pilar says. I mainly know the true version. I have not been tracking exactly which rumors exist
1: somebody who actually has been in the palace the last few days, internally screaming forever after the manner of competent intelligence officers dealing with other people who are not competent intelligence officers, recites the basics. If something nice happens to you that people in non-chellish countries would throw some kind of fucking party for, a girl is already there and already has a cake to offer you. It's actually pretty good cake. Nobody knows what happens if you refuse to eat it. The cake girl doesn't give a shit about forbiddances or wards on the room. Nobody has spotted her teleporting. Oh, and also, the cake girl is one of the Project Lawful girls, etc., etc., so she presumably has arcane vision, casts both cleric and wizard spells, her soul's price in the markets of dis is astronomically high, may possibly be Abrogale Throon, got transformed prettier after she joined Project Lawful, etc., etc., That's the main line of the rumors there's too many variant versions for anybody to keep track of.
10: I've heard it rumored, someone else adds, very annoyed about it, that some connection exists between the capabilities used by Kate Girl and the capabilities that deprive Nadal of diamonds, which Osirian might have noticed by now. Ah, says the guy who just got back from the front lines. That makes a lot
11: more sense than panicking over Osirian believing a completely deranged... Actually, no, it doesn't make sense without meaning to inquire as to anything I should not know, if that rumor's false, are we unhappy to have Osirian believe it? Should we just be trying to confirm whatever it is they believe? How did they end up believing it?
8: You, Pilar says to one of the securities hanging out who's not an intelligence officer, but one cleared to gopher for intelligence work, find somebody who knows about the diamond thing, which I have not previously been cleared for, and tell them they immediately need to be in this room advising me with respect to what we do or don't want Osirion believing about a connection between the diamond thing and Project Lawful via the cake girl. Go. Pilar turns back to the poor, confused soul from the front lines. I would have thought that we didn't want more attention called to Project Lawful at all, but maybe that ship has sailed.
10: I have an opinion to offer regarding that, says somebody much older and far more powerful than herself.
8: Speak. I have authority here for good reasons, but know I am sorely lacking experience.
10: He nods. With all due disrespect to a number of people who should already be in hell, that ship had in fact probably sailed after Nadal attacked your project site. We launched an emergency response with dozens of people with six seconds worth of intelligence clearance and then a fucking god war started. Immediately afterwards. That level of international scrutiny on an event with that many witnesses is simply not evadable. It's not sufficient if the witnesses were all soul-sold and most are now on the Nidal front. If you visibly block all information and all avenues of investigation about what started a God war, some adversaries will start burning Ninth Circle scrolls in order to kidnap targets or extract information from them. The explosion of rumors may be the better case than that scrutiny focusing narrowly on only things that actually happened.
8: Can anybody tell me if there's a policy about that, who runs that policy, and where they are so they can be inside this room instead?
1: The general policy for feeding spies misinformation is that it should be hard to immediately verify, leave them confident they weren't noticed, suggest further investigation within Cheliacs, and contain things from a short list. Per country, the Osarian expert will have theirs, but it might be a bit out of date.
11: List had nothing about a project lawful on it last I heard the Osirian expert says dryly. You want to know what we'd like Osirian to believe about our grain
10: stores? I'm your guy.
8: Who would know which rumors were supposed to spread about Project Lawful?
10: Your project director would be the obvious candidate?
8: I've been informed that individual is completely out of contact. Can somebody tell me what our goals would obviously have been so that I can do more of whatever it was we were doing?
10: I'll keep enough cruft in the water that no one can narrow down on what might be true a senior person says instantly. Project Lawful is a bunch of girls with random novel powers. Fine. Let's have them be as random and as novel and as uninformative about what actually happened to the Project Lawful girls as possible. So we want to show them exactly the cake girl
11: they're expecting, is the idea here? Says the guy who just got back from the front lines.
8: Unfortunately, there is a sufficiently large grain of truth in the cake girl-specific rumors, namely fucking all of it that this should not be our policy with respect to the cake girl.
11: What part of that could possibly? The part about forbiddences, presumably. Can we show them just the part that isn't true?
8: If there was any such part, yes, that would be an option. Not from among the items listed. We would need to generate new ones. Though actually, on reflection, the cake girl is a weird intervention by Caden Kalian which has never made any sense at all and which seems almost absolutely unrelated to any of the things that are actually important about Project Lawful. General policy question, Pilar says. How do we feel about focusing attention on points that are true but really, really fucking misleading?
1: If you know enough about what's up with Project Lawful to evaluate that, yes, that's what some of the best misinformation is.
8: Oh,
10: no, 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 Stobe. That is not how this works. That is not how any of this works.
8: Okay. Then I think we run with it looking to them like the cake girl is real, pending somebody with Diamond's clearance saying if maybe that isn't such a good idea after all.
11: Wait, what? That list was in significant part true but really, really fucking misleading.
10: What? No apparent teleporting contributes someone with Diamond's clearance who just walked in a minute ago. We should just have someone walk the cake in.
8: Pilar is pretty sure she doesn't teleport. She's not sure what she does instead, but teleportation doesn't feel right. It's not weird teleportation. It's not teleportation at all. But okay, if they don't want to focus attention on teleportation with respect to the diamonds, cool. Cake Girl should be able to walk invisibly and without teleporting at the correct time, if she tries. Then what? I'd expect her to be kidnapped and tortured for information, but how do they do that exactly? And is there a way to make sure she ends up in hell shortly after correctly this time? Which doesn't make it clear that we knew all along what would happen and were prepared for it. Assume the cake girl can maintain her will under torture for an extended period and is able to supply deliberate misinformation, but would like to be sure of dying in time to get raised after dawn tomorrow.
10: I don't think we should assume that of cake girl unless we've already done it to her and even if she's ready to be Asmodeus' heroic servant, they'll have mind reading. The obvious way to make sure someone who is captured makes it to hell is to give them a slow-acting, but not noticeable or easily treatable, poison. When noticed, they generally won't assume she'd been poisoned before being captured. Everyone looks to the Osirian expert for how Osirian does interrogations.
11: Osirian doesn't consider itself bound not to employ torture, but does little of it by cellish standards because it's not really very useful for their goals. The pharaoh is known to have a sense motive of basically mind reading, but he doesn't involve himself in much directly. They also have actual mind reading, obviously.
8: Pilar is confused by the concept of torture not being useful. She has always had the impression that people who aren't her will go to great lengths to avoid it. She's also confused by the concept that nobody gets suspicious of prisoners who mysteriously die a few hours later, but this is less important. And I suppose that if somebody has a scroll of mind-blank to tap cake girls so the Osirians do need to use torture, that does make it too obvious. Well, maybe they'd think it was just Project Lawful Bullshit.
11: I think that if the cake girl looks like a girl, the Osirians are very unlikely to move to torture within the indicated time frame.
8: Osirion. Right. Do we have other ways of doing something very misleading with the cake girl, assuming that she does not get to use her in fact fairly impressive ability to withstand torture in order to deliver misinformation?
11: Is she actually the cake girl? You don't work in intelligence for this long, and not notice when an inexperienced subject is possibly failing at a
10: task of pretending not to be somebody. We could send some person who isn't the cake girl and doesn't know anything in with the cake, having gotten a suggestion immediately before to bring the cake in, poisoned. All they learn from her is that she was inexplicably seized by the urge to bring this cake in. And we learn, once she shows up in hell, what Osirion knew enough to ask her about.
8: Constraint. We'd need somebody who would afterwards feel really cheerful about that having happened to them. Do we have anybody like that?
10: Everyone stares at her incredulously we could subsequently raise them and commend them on their service to the crown?
8: That works great on me and at least 11 other people in Cheliax. But unfortunately, this is a hard constraint, and it runs off how people will actually feel, and not what they are supposed to feel.
1: Some new conclusions are quickly reached about how many girls are in Project Lawful and what makes them special.
10: It is, however, not added to the rumor mill, for fucking once because these people are professionals specifically in the intelligence services, and furthermore have a good idea of who gets interrogated and possibly executed if there's a new rumor about there being exactly 12 girls in Project Lawful.
9: You could do something genuinely actually nice for them afterwards. Her curse does not suggest.
10: Message to Pilar from somebody in this room. Is this a visible hard constraint where I can use it to find out whether someone is truly loyal to...
8: Reply, no unfortunately. And yes, I know exactly how stupid that is.
10: Someone who has been sentenced to and is in the middle of a slow execution gets dragged out to deliver cake instead. Dies more cleanly?
8: We do have to raise them afterwards to get the info right, but I guess I could use my authority to ensure that they were cleanly killed again immediately after that.
9: Osmodeans! Why? Pilar's curse is not particularly Abadaran, but even it wants to yell, have you considered offering money at this point?
10: could also track them down in hell, which might be more inconvenient but doesn't run the risk of them refusing. I do think we should consider it possible that the Osirians will soul bind their captive to keep the secret, so this would have to be worth that to Asmodius.
8: Can anybody give me a completely different line on how to mislead the Osirians with the or a cake girl? This line is looking increasingly less promising.
10: We could go to the opposite extreme and try to make Project Lawful or Cake Girl look significantly more impressive than the reality. You'd know better than I would if that's realistically possible. Seventh Circle Wizard walks in looking like the real Cake Girl. With mind blank and dimensional anchoring and a few other things up, serves them some cake, chats with them, ignores anything they try to do to her, leaves. Are we okay with them knowing about the weird constraint that prevents us from arresting them? Somebody asks Pilar. Because if we're not, we should make it look like Cake Girl is not with Chellish services. And if we are, she should very clearly have the ability to turn them over to security but not do it.
8: I think the fact that we had to let them go probably falls under the incredibly fucking misleading category. We're running out of time here. I like this option best of anything so far. Let's roll with it. (laughs) ¶¶
0: If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash askwhocastsai. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059.